Om yeah. Namo Bhagavate Sri Yarana Chalaramanaya. Namaskaram, Michael. Namaskaram. Um, so I wanted to start um, by asking, um, who is Bhagwan, and what is Bhagwan? Very, very good question. Um, we can truly know what Bhagavan is only by knowing ourselves, because Bhagavan is what we actually are. So nobody, no, no individual, no ego can say that they know Bhagavan. Only when we lose ourselves completely in Bhagavan have we truly known him. As he says in Uludu Napadu, verse um, verse uh, uh, 21, if I remember correctly, he ends by saying, Unadal Khan, be, uh, becoming food is seeing. That is only when he swallows us entirely have we truly seen him, truly known what he is. So whatever we say about Bhagavan, we are only talking from the perspective of our mind, and our mind can never grasp Bhagavan. This is why if we read if we read biographies of Bhagavan, we see so many stories, but all the stories about Bhagavan, we have to we have to understand that both stories are about how devotees saw Bhagavan rather than about how Bhagavan actually was. And this was very, very clear to me when I first came to um, Tiruvannamalai. That was in the mid-70s, 1976 I first came. In those days, there were still many old devotees who had been lived with Bhagavan for 30, 40 years. And occasionally I would hear a story from one devotee, and I would mention it to in some context while talking with another devotee, I would mention it. And they said, no, 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 it wasn't like that. I was there at the time, it was like this. There were two people who were both present at the same time, when the same incident occurred, but they each saw it completely differently. So we all see Bhagavan through the filter of our own mind. So the only one who knows Bhagavan is Bhagavan himself. And if we aspire to know Bhagavan, we can do so only by losing ourselves in him. That is why only those like Murugana and Saduam who have completely surrendered themselves to Bhagavan, who have completely lost themselves in Bhagavan, that is why their songs are of such tremendous value, because they are singing about Bhagavan through Bhagavan's eyes, as it were. So, um, those of us who, until we reach that point, but we are willing to give ourselves wholly to Bhagavan, we cannot say we have understood Bhagavan um, perfectly. Of course, we all understand Bhagavan to a certain extent, and we, we, we can't see beyond our own limitations. So how we see Bhagavan, we, 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 can't, we can't see Bhagavan as he sees himself, so long as we rise as ego and have these limitations. But there are certain things that Bhagavan revealed about himself that, um, that give us some inkling of what Bhagavan actually is. One of the first things to understand is what Bhagavan is not. To us, Bhagavan appears to be a person, a human being like us. He seemed to have a body and a mind and to be like us. But as Bhagavan said, the body and mind of the jnani exist only in the view of the Agnani. So though what was shining through that body and mind, that is Bhagavan, Bhagavan is in no way limited to that name and form. That is, he appeared in that name and form to give us these tremendously precious teachings to tell us the term within. Because our attention is always going outwards, it was necessary for him to appear outwardly in human name and form to tell us the term within. So why we love the name and form of Bhagavan so much? Because what was shining through that name and form is our own reality, what we actually are. Atma Swarupa, 
Atma Swarupa alone is Ramana Swarupa. He, that is, what we see shining through that body, that is our own reality. That's why we, we're all drawn to Bhagavan. That's why um, animals of all kinds were drawn to Bhagavan, because there's something about Bhagavan. We all recognize ourselves somehow in Bhagavan. We all recognize our own reality in Bhagavan. However imperfectly we recognize that, we, we recognize and so we are drawn to Bhagavan. So the, the fact that Bhagavan is not human is very, very important to understand because we can't begin to understand what he actually is until we give up the wrong idea that he is what he seemed to us to be. So Bhagavan is in no way limited to that human form. There is a beautiful verse in Guru Vachika Kovai. Guru Vachika Kovai is verses written by Murugana, but recording what Bhagavan actually said. And this verse, Murugana has expressed it very, very beautifully. That is verse 274 of Guru Vachika Kovai. Uh, uh, if I read the verse, it's, uh, I may not read it very perfectly, but it's, it's very beautifully written. Parakaya Maha. Payanindra Nindre, Narakara Ma Tondrum, Jnana Guruve, Nirakaram Endruna, Ninjum Ilada, Durachara Papa Durantara Tame. What that means is um, Ninjum Ilada means those who lack the heart, who lack the the inner, it implies the inner clarity to know that Jnana Guru is Nirakaran, he's without form, he's formless. The, the Jnana Guru, who appears as a human form, is formless. Though he, that is, he appears as a human form, but all the time, Parakaya, parakaya, uh, uh, parakaya Maha. Payindra Nindre, that is, he always remains, though he appears in human form, he always remains as that parakaya, that supreme space. That means the supreme space of jnana. Uh, Bhagavan is nothing but jnana itself. So he's always remaining at that supreme space of, of, uh, of jnana, beyond all names and forms even though he appears in a human name and form. So what Bhagavan says here, those who do not have the heart, or the nenjam, nenjam means the, it literally means the heart or the mind, but it implies here, you do not have the clarity to see that though Guru appears in human name and form, though he seems to us to be a person, what he actually is, he's, he's formless. He is the formless supreme space. So if we fail to understand that, if we don't have the clarity to understand that, what Bhagavan says is very, very strong. How he describes those who fail to understand that Guru is not a human for not a human being, not a person, even though he appears to be such, he says they are Durachara, Papa, Durantaratame. Uh, uh, that is, they are the champions in the, in, Durachara means the, um, uh, the Durachara, how to say it in, in English. Um, we can say Durachara means, um, it, Durachara is, Achara is, is the right contact. Durachara is the opposite of right contact. So it means, um, the Tamil lexicon describes Duracharam as, uh, depravity, vicious life, evil ways. So it's, it's Duracharya means they're, they're the most evil sinners. They're the champion, they're the champions among the evil sinners. So Bhagavan is emphasizing so strongly here that the Guru is not a human, is not a human being. Though he appears in human form, he is not that human form. Why this is very important to understand, and this is not in any way saying anything disrespectful about the form of Bhagavan, because we all love the form of Bhagavan, because of, but why we are drawn to that form of Bhagavan is what is shining through that form of Bhagavan 
is what he describes here as nirakara. Nirakara means one who is without form, and he describes him as uh, parakaya maha. Oh, uh, payakaran, payakaram aha, payindrida nindre. He always remaining as that supreme space, the supreme space being the supreme space of jnana. So he's the ultimate reality, Bhagavan. That is, he's beyond all names and forms. He's beyond all the names and forms of God. He is the ultimate reality. He is Brahman. He is words cannot describe. Only poets like Murugan and Sadhuam, they can possibly come a little bit close to describing. As Bhagavan describes Aranacha, the greatness of Aranacha described by Bhagavan in Aranacha Stutipanchikam, such words alone can come close to describing that which is beyond thoughts, beyond words, beyond all limits. So Bhagavan is the ultimate reality. So we first need to understand that though Bhagavan appeared in this uh, beloved form of Bhagavan Ramana, that he is so much more than that. He is not in any way, most of us who are alive now were not born till after Bhagavan had left his physical form. But have we missed out on anything? It may seem to us that we, we miss that precious opportunity of being in Bhagavan's physical presence. And there is no doubt, those who are blessed to be in Bhagavan's physical presence, that's a great good fortune. But that is not really being in the presence of Bhagavan. Being in the presence of Bhagavan, truly being in the presence of Bhagavan, is only turning our attention within. So we should never feel that we have missed out on anything, because Bhagavan is ever shiny in our heart as our own being. As he says very, very clearly, in um, when he was asked, his, that, that is, in the early days, people were speculating, Bhagavan is an incarnation of Subramania, Bhagavan is an incarnation of Shiva, Bhagavan is an incarnation of this God, that God. Bhagavan is beyond all these things, as he made clear. When Amritanathyatendra wrote a verse in Malayalam, asking Bhagavan, I, I don't can't remember the exact meaning of the verse, but the, the gist of the verse, are you an incarnation of this God or that God or that God, basically? Um, Bhagavan replied in the same meeting, Malayalam, and then immediately wrote it in Tamil. I don't know the Malayalam verse, but the Malayalam verse is almost exactly the same as the Tamil verse, because um, though Bhagavan could write in Malayalam, his Malayalam tended to be very... Malayalam is basically a mixture of Tamil. Malayalam grew out of what is called um, uh, Mani Prabalam, which was a, a literary form of Tamil in which Sanskrit was very richly mixed. So a lot of Tamil poetry is what is called Mani Prabalam. That is, it's richly uh, mixed with Sanskrit words. Out of that was born Malayalam. So Malayalam is a mixture of Tamil and um, Sanskrit. So, uh, but since Bhagavan is a Tamilian, when he writes Malayalam, it's a very Tamilized Malayalam. So, but when he wrote the verse in Malayalam, just by making a few small changes, he made it into a Tamil verse. So, the Malayalam Tamil are almost identical. So, what he says in the Tamil verse, but which is um, traditionally, it's always recited at the end of Aranacha Stuti Panchakum, because here Bhagavan really reveals what he actually is. And not only he reveals what he actually is, he reveals to us how he's not just asking us to believe what he is. He's showing us the way to find, to experience that for ourselves. So this is such a beautiful and important verse. The first two lines, he reveals who or what he actually is. In the second two lines, he shows us the way to know that for ourselves. So what he says in the first two lines is, Ariyati Tarajivara Dahavari Jagohayal Arivairami Parumatuman Arunachala Ramanan. That is, Arunachala Ramanan is the Paramatma, the Supreme Self, but uh Bliss, the Rami, Rami means that it's that revels, or we can say blissfully exists. Arivai, um, 
Yes, Aribai means as Aribu. Um, so he exists as as awareness. That means as the as the one pure awareness I am, the one original awareness, the original light of awareness. So he is that Paramatma, but blissfully exists as awareness in the cave of the heart lotus of all different jivas, beginning with Hari. Hari means Lord Vishnu. So from the highest god down to the smallest insect, that which is shining as the awareness I am in the heart of all, that alone is Aranachar Ramanam. So, I, I mean, what better description could there be of what is Bhagavan actually is? He is very... He is not any particular incarnation of God. He is the reality of all gods. He is not, he's the reality not only of all gods, of all jivas. This is why Bhagavan had such equal love to all. Bhagavan, there was no partiality. That is, and when I said was, I'm talking about what we saw manifested when he appeared in human form. It was clear he had equal love to all. He had equal love to human beings, to all sorts of animals, snakes, scorpions, hornets, what, also uh, monkeys, dogs, cows. He, was, he had equal love for all. He had equal love for people. Not everyone who was around Bhagavan was good. There were all sorts of people, good people, bad people, all sorts of people there. His love was equal for all. Even for Paramah Swami, who was putting court cases against him, claiming that he was the rightful manager of Ashram, Bhagavan was so kind and gracious. When Paramah Swami once came to Bhagavan, when, when, when Paramah Swami had failed in one of his court cases, and he came to Bhagavan and said, I'm going to, I will not leave you, I'll take you to the highest court in the land if necessary. Um, uh, this is all just about the, the, he thought he was the rightful manager of the ashram. So he was disgruntled. Why he wasn't the manager? Because when he was manager, he was bossing over people and people didn't like it. So they pushed him out. But he felt he was the rightful manager and he had people who had their own reasons who supported him. So he was putting case against Bhagavan. So once when he failed in one of his cases, he came to Bhagavan and he said to Bhagavan, I will not leave you. I'll take you to the highest court in the land. Even if you, even if you are God as you claim to be, even if you put me in hell, I will not leave you. And Bhagavan said, even if you go to hell, I will not leave you. At the time that, um, but, but, uh, um, but, Bhagavan said that to Paramaswami because his 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 mind was fully clouded with egotism. He couldn't understand the real significance of what a great blessing that was that Bhagavan said to him. But many years later, after Bhagavan had left the body, all the followers, all the people who were supporting Paramaswami, they lost interest in supporting him. He became old and he was a he was a lonely old man, and he was in his old age. He was he was not in good health. One day in the late 1950s, he came to the ashram to the ashram dispensary. Uh, in those days, Doctor Shivarao was the doctor, and Doctor Shivarao had trained Saduom as his compounder to to dispense for medicines. So Saduom was there when Paramaswami came to Dr. Shivarao to get some medicines for whatever ailments he was suffering from. At that time, Paramahaswami said to Bhagavan, sorry, said to Sadhuam, in those days when I was so deluded, I said to Bhagavan, even if you put me in hell, I will not leave you. Bhagavan replied to me, but even if I go to hell, he will not leave me. At that time, I failed to understand what, 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 what kind and compassionate words those were. But now I understand. But even if because of a worse sinful life I've lived, even if I have to go to hell, Bhagavan will come and save me. And Sadhuam said, Bhagavan cannot leave you because Bhagavan is what you are saying as I, the I in you 
That is Bhagavan. So whether we go to heaven or hell, wherever we are, Bhagavan can never leave us. So, but Bhagavan's love, even in spite of all the trouble that Paramaswami gave, Bhagavan's love for him was equal. And his love was like that for everyone. Why is his love for equal for everyone? Because Bhagavan doesn't see us as other than himself. He sees us as himself. So he loves us as himself. As he says in the 19th paragraph of, uh, of uh, Nana, there are no two minds, a good mind and a bad mind. Uh, mind is only one. It is the vasanas that are of two kinds, uh, subhavasanas and asubhavasanas. Subhavasanas means agreeable vasanas. Asubhavasanas is disagreeable vasanas. So vasanas are of two kinds. When the mind is under the way of subhavasanas, we call it a good mind. When it's under the sway of, a, of asubhavasanas, we call it a bad mind. So Bhagavan was seen beyond the vasanas to the reality that lies beyond, that lies even beyond ego, what we all actually are, which is himself. So Bhagavan loves us all as himself. So, um, what he says in this, the first two lines of this verse reveal, enables us to understand how Bhagavan's love was equal to all, or whatever form, whether in um, whether as whether the jivas were in the form of hornets that stung his le leg, or in the form of uh, snakes or scorpions that crawled over his body, or in the form of uh, the monkeys or the dogs or the cows or the squirrels or all the other animals that surrounded Bhagavan, his love was equal to all. And likewise, his love was equal to all human beings. So, in the first two lines of this verse, he reveals what he actually is. He is that uh, awareness that is shining in the heart of each one of us as I. He is our own self. He is Atmaswarupa. He is what we actually are, the real nature of ourselves. So how can we know this? Bhagavan doesn't ask us to believe anything. He, he shows us the way to experience this for ourselves. So most importantly, in the second two lines of this, the last two lines of this verse, the second half, he reveals to us the way for us to experience this for ourselves. He, what he says in the second two lines are, Parival ulum uruha nala paranandi duguheyandu arivam viri tirava nijum arivai aduveliam. What that means is, Parival, Parival means with love or by love, ulum uruha. The heart melting with love, the heart melting by love. Nal paranan didu guheyandu, reaching the cave where that supreme dwell, uh, supreme where that sublime supreme dwells. Arunachal Ramana is dwelling in the heart of each one of us. So, with heart melting with love, if we turn within and reach that cave, arivam viri tirava the eye of awareness will be opened. That is, we will know ourselves as we actually are. Nijam arivai, you will know nijam. Nijam means for your real nature, what we actually are, or the real nature of Bhagavan, which is the real nature of ourselves. We will know that real nature. Adu veliyam, it will, literally, adu veliyam literally means it will come out. That means it will reveal itself. So, Bhagavan is what is ever shining in the heart of each one of us, as our own very existence. In order for us to know that, all we need to do is with heart melting with love, we need to turn within and um, subside back into our, the heart and reach the cave where he's always dwelling. Then the eye of awareness will open. We will know the truth and because it will reveal itself. So from this verse, I mean, there's so many other indications we have, but from this verse alone, we are clearly shown by Bhagavan what he actually is. He is not the human form in which he appeared. His appearing in that human form is extremely significant because if he didn't appear in that human form, our minds will continue going outwards because he's appeared in the human in that human form and told us that where he really exists is in the heart of each and every one of us. 
and that to know him we need with a heart melting with love we need to go back within so he's shown us the way to know him as he actually is when we know him as he actually is we will well even before we are that is that is the ultimate goal is to know him as he actually is because knowing him is knowing ourselves because he is ourselves so the whole all bhagavan's teachings are what who am i if we know what we actually are then only will we know who is our natural ramana and it's also significant here bhagavan refers to himself as our natural ramana because our natural and ramana are one and the same that is Arunachala is Bhagavan in the form of a hill. Bhagavan is Arunachala in human form. But the reality behind those two forms, what is shining through those two forms, the reality shining through those two forms is one and the same. That is Arivai Rami Paramatma, that Paramatma, no, Brahman, but exists as a blissfully exists as awareness in the heart of each and every one of us. So that which is shining in our heart as I, that is Bhagavad. Michael, um, recently I came across a classification of the term Rishi, sage. Yes, yes. Um, so there were some had three terms, some had more than that, you know, like around six or seven. Um, but in all, um, the Maharishi, the term Maharishi was um, was not at the top. It was either in the middle or the second to uh, the highest, mm -hmm. and the highest was um, Brahmarishi. Brahmarishi, yes. Yeah. Um, so, and then I wondered because of this, because we believe um, that Bhagwan is um, Bhagwan Ramana is uh, Mahavatara Purusha, fully established in in pure awareness, jnana. Um, that um, even that is not correct to say he's fully established in he is jnana itself he's jnana swarupa right so um, I was wondering what is the best way to address our guru um, the term that appeals to me most and I think to most devotees most is Bhagavan um Maharishi, as you say, it's not the highest, but the highest of all the Rishi. Well, there are various classifications of Rishis. There are Deva Rishis and Raja Rishis and um, various classifications and the order in which they come varies. But always the highest of the Rishis is the Brahma Rishi. Um, the Brahma Rishi is one who has. Uh, attain Brahma Sakshakara, who is um, who has known and is who has known Brahman and therefore is Brahman. Um, so the term Maharishi is not, um, though it means great Rishi, it's not. It's not necessarily a um, a particularly um, lofty title. Um, but more than more than I mean, there are different classifications of these things. Maharishi is never at the top, as you say. Brahma Rishi is is in any classification. I think everyone agrees Brahma Rishi is the highest. Um, but uh, all these um, issues aside, it seems to me Maharishi is a rather cold title. It's not um, that it, the title of Rishi is not a title that inspires devotion. Any 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 type of Rishi, the, the mere fact of being a Rishi doesn't necessarily inspire devotion. And so Maharishi is not a it's it's not a devotional ter, uh, name. Whereas Bhagavan means God, uh, Bhagavan and Bhakta. The God and devotee. Um, so for for devotees, Bhagavan is a much more um, it's a much warmer, a much more affectionate. Um, somehow Maharishi sounds rather distant, whereas Bhagavan is ever near, ever intimate, ever in our heart. Um, so 
of course, this is purely subjective, but I'm sure many uh, devotees of Bhagavan will agree with me. But referring to Bhagavan as Bhagavan is much more appealing than referring to him as Maharishi. We don't think of Maharishi residing in the heart, but Bhagavan is always in the heart. Uh, as I say, Bhagavan, um, Bhagavan means God. It is a title that in the past was used for only the very highest, uh, Bhagavan Buddha, Bhagavan Krishna. Um, historically, they are the two main uh the two main historical or myth, whether you call it history or myth, mythology, whatever it is, um, they're the two main um, figures in the past who uh, who were called Bhagavan. Um, nowadays, all these things, any Tom, Dick and Harry can call themselves Bhagavan, but that is beside the point. Um, but uh, for for devotees, Bhagavan is a very um it it's a very affectionate uh way of referring to him. It's very intimate. Um we can feel far more intimate with Bhagavan than we can with Maharishi. Maharishi somehow seems rather cold and distant, whereas Bhagavan is very, very close and intimate. Bhagavan is that which is always shining in our heart as I. And even to say, as you said earlier, Bhagavan is established in jnana, even that is not true. Bhagavan is jnana itself. Bhagavan is, is Brahm, Bhagavan isn't just, um, hasn't just realized Brahman. Bhagavan is Brahman itself. Bhagavan is Aranacha Shiva appearing in human form. So there's nothing, nothing higher than Bhagavan. I mean, he is the ultimate reality. Ramana Swarupa is Atma Swarupa. That is the real, what Swarupa means, um, the real nature, what he actually is, what Bhagavan actually is, is our own, is what we actually are, our own real nature. So um, to call him anything less than Bhagavan, for me at least, is not so appealing. I mean, I've, I've nothing against um, uh, referring to him as Maharishi. In certain songs, even Saduam or Murugana may have used these, this title, but much much less frequently than Bhagavan. And sometimes they, it's for poetic reasons. Um, for example, in... Um, in a song that Sadhu Om sang on, um, he composed a song on Bhagavan on the tune of the Indian national anthem. Huh. Um, Jaya Jaya Aruna Chela Shiva Ramana Jaya Jaya Sadguru Deva. In one place there, he refers to him as Maharishi Ramana, he, that he addresses him, Maharishi Ramana Vande, Mahatma Ramana Vande. Um, but it's, Generally, I mean, when speaking with fellow devotees, Saduam or Murugana would always refer to Bhagavan as Bhagavan. They, I don't, I never, well, I didn't know, I never met Murugana, but I can say Saduam, I never heard him in conversation refer to Bhagavan as anything other than Bhagavan. Mm. Um, and I'm sure the same is the case with Murugana. Um, so, for de for devotees for bhaktas, Bhagavan is the is the is, is what naturally appeals to us most. At least speaking for myself, I can say that, and I'm I'm sure the majority of Bhagavan's devotees would agree with me. Right, and also Maharshi is not entirely accurate. Um, yeah. Yes. You could use well, it, but in strictly yes. speaking, it's not accurate. Yeah. I mean, Rishi, Rishis are, are human beings or gods. They're still, they're still somehow individuals. Bhagavan is beyond all individuality. Bhagavan is the eternal. The etern Bhagavan is Ulladu. He is that which is. He is. Um, he is um, Satyam Jnanam Anantam. 
He is, uh, he is the reality. He is jnana, pure awareness, and he is ananta. He is infinite. So any title other than any title less than Bhagavan somehow doesn't seem to be appealing. But of course, I'm speaking subjectively. There's no objective, um, uh, uh, objective, even, I mean, if, if both Bhagavan and Maharishi both are titles, Bhagavan's name, if he is to have a name at all, is Ramana. Um, but even that name Bhagavan didn't acknowledge. When, when he was asked why he never signed his name, he said, what, by what name am I to sign myself? People have called me this and they would call me Brahmana Swami, they called me this and that. But <laughs> Bhagavan didn't identify with any name or form. He's beyond all names and forms. He's the ultimate reality. He's our own real nature. He's Atma Swarupa. Right. And he made that so clear in that when in that song when he was asked whether he's an incarnation of this god or that god, uh, his reply was Ariyati Tarajivara Dahavari Jaguheil Arivairami Paramatman Arunachala Ramanan. Arunachala Ramana is a Paramatma who exists blissfully as awareness in the cave of the heart lotus of all different jivas, beginning with Harry. So from the highest god to the lowest um, to the lowest insect, or even lower, lower than insect, I mean, the, 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 any sentient, in, in the heart of every sentient being, Bhagavan is that which is shiny as awareness. You know, but that fundamental awareness I am, that is Bhagavan. So he is, he is, that if you should describe Brahman as satyam jnanam anantam, that is a beautiful description for Bhagavan. Satyam means existence, what is, what actually exists, Ulladu. Uh, jnanam means awareness in the sense of pure awareness. And anantam means without limit, without end, without any um, infinite. And that is what Bhagavan is. Right, and also um, um, when we use Bhagwan, I think um, adding another term Sri seems a bit superfluous, right? So just Bhagwan or Bhagwan Ramana. Yeah, I mean, some people say Sri Bhagwan in the in the Bhagavad Gita. Um, whenever Krishna talks, Sri Bhagwan uh, Uvacha. Mm -hmm. uh, the saying of Sri Bhagwan. Right. So it's not. I mean, it's not wrong to add Sri. But uh, it's it doesn't seem necessary, right? That's what I mean. I mean, I generally, if I'm if if I'm talking about Bhagavan and Krishna or Bhagavan and Buddha in the same sentence, obviously we have to distinguish which Bhagavan. So I would say Bhagavan Krishna, Bhagavan Buddha, Bhagavan Ramana. The three, I, I yeah, it. it, it there's no wrong in adding three, but it seems to me a bit, um, it, it doesn't seem to be very necessary. And Bhagavan Ramana, that, I really love that name. That's good. That's good. I think you clarified my yeah. question. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I have another question. Um, recently, I was going over um, the, uh, the Sarida Surakam, the short biography of Bhagavan written by um, uh, Sri Sadhuam. And in that, um, he refers to um, Atman and Bhagwan in some locations as it adu. Yes. And and um, you have also used the term it or adu in in some of your writings here and there. Yes. Um, so um, and some may object. So what is your logic behind it? Rational behind it? That is Bhagavan is obvious. Gender applies to body. Bhagavan is not the body. So Bhagavan is beyond all gender. Uh, Arunachala is beyond all gender. Arunachala is Adhanarishwara Swarupa. Adhanarishwara is a form of Shiva 
in which half the form is male and half is female. That is, that is to represent the oneness of Shiva and Shakti. That is, God and his power, God and grace, are not two different things. That is represented by Adhanarishwara, and Arunachi is Adhanarishwara. Um, so, so Adhanarishwara is obviously beyond gender. I mean, that's what it represents. Bhagavan is Arunachala. Bhagavan is beyond gender, though he, though Arunachala, when he, he, it appeared in human form, appeared in a, what to our eyes appears to be a male form. So many devotees have sung of Bhagavan. I mean, Murugana, Sadhuam, they sing of Bhagavan as both mother and father. He is our true mother. He is our true father. In Akshramlai, Bhagavan sang as a young girl, as the Nayaki. Arunachal is Nayakan, the, the Lord, the, 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 the young girl who approaches him seeking union is the Nayaki. Bhagavan took the role of Nayaki. So Bhagavan is neither, he can play the role of male, he can play the role of female, but he is neither male nor female. Even in Bhagavan's lifetime, devotees often used to refer to Bhagavan as Adu, that, because he's beyond all these uh, differences of, of male and female. And Adu is in English, to refer to Bhagavan as it may sound a little bit disrespectful, but it's not at all disrespectful in Indian languages because conventionally, tat in Sanskrit or adu in 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 um, in, in in Tamil, they refer to Brahman, tat for masi, tat there refers to Brahman. So when tat is used in it, in the context where it's not referring to anything in specific, anything else in particular, Tat conventionally refers to Brahman, and Bhagavan is Brahman himself, Brahman itself. So there's no wrong in referring to Bhagavan as it. In fact, it is, in a sense, it is more respectful to refer to Bhagavan as it than to refer to him as he, because as soon as we refer to him as he, we are limiting him to a certain gender. And obviously he's he's satyaman nyanamanantam. He's beyond he's infinite, he's beyond all genders. So Bhagavan is he he, he, he is both male and female, and neither male nor female. Ultimate. Yeah. And since he is the source from which we all come, he is he is our true mother, our true father, our, uh, our earthly mother and father. Like us, they were born, and like us, they die. And in mo for most of us, our parents died before us. So um, uh, those are not the, the the parents who 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 give birth to, who give birth to us as bodies. They are they are just transient parents, but Bhagavan is our eternal parent, our eternal mother, our eternal father. So he's be he is both he's both he and she, and beyond he and she. So when we refer to him as it, it is it's referring to him not as in, not impersonally, but transpersonally. He's beyond all. Um, a person is male or female. Bhagavan is not a person. Bhagavan is Brahman itself. Right. All right. Thank you, Michael. That clarifies. Thank you. Right. So, it, no wrong in referring to Bhagavan as he. No wrong in referring to him as she. I sometimes, when when I'm explaining the verses of Akshramla, in some contexts, it's appropriate to refer to him as she. Mm. Because he's that is the role he's playing, but sometimes I will I will I I switch sometimes almost in the same sentence I switch from it to he it doesn't matter it doesn't matter Bhagavan is beyond all these differences. It's it's um, it takes some time for all of this to sink in. Yes, yes, yes. Um, 
you know. Then, Bhagavan cannot be defined. Bhagavan cannot be limited in any way. Though he appeared in human form, he is not human. Mm. Though he appeared as a person, he is not a person. Right. It is not a person. Right. It is it. That it, it is that Brahman. Nothing but Brahman itself. Thank you, Michael. You're making it sink more another and more. Thing, <laughs> another thing in this context, one thing that I think many people fail to understand is Bhagavan, what Bhagavan has taught us about the nature of Guru is actually something very unique and very revolutionary. Traditionally, a Guru is a person. This is why in most sampradayas, that is in most traditions within Hinduism, you have a guru parampara. When, when one guru dies, before, well, before dying, the guru will appoint a successor. Or if the guru hasn't appointed a successor, then the, the devotees will agree upon a successor. And occasionally in history, it has, there have been disputes of, as to who is the rightful successor of the previous guru. But there is this idea of a succession of uh, gurus. Bhagavan never, never um, nominated a, a successor. Why is that? Because what he taught us about guru is something far deeper than the conventional understanding of what is Guru. Guru is not a person. As he, Bhagavan says in um, the first sentence of the twelfth paragraph of Nana, Kadavalam Guruvam Ummail Verala. That means God and Guru are in truth not other. And the word he uses there for God is a very beautiful Tamil word, Kadaval. Kadavul means Kadanda Ullavan or Kadanda Ulladu, he who exists transcending or, um, or, uh, or the, uh, what exists transcending. Uh, so he, Bhagavan is beyond, he transcends everything. So God and Guru, God in his transcendental uh, nature and Guru are one and the same. So, um, I know nowadays every Tom, Dick, and Harry who wants to be a guru claims I am God, but <laughs> that's not that's not what Bhagavan is talking about there. Bhagavan is saying that there is no guru other than God. God alone is guru. So the true guru is not a person. So Bhagavan is not a person. Though he appeared in human form, he is not a person. There's a verse in Guru Vachakokovai, um, wait a second, I'll see if I can find it because it's such a an important verse. Um, um, those who do not understand that the jnana guru is the formless supreme space, though he appears in human form, are the chief among all the vilest sinners and criminals. So though Bhagavan appears in human form, he is not human. He is the infinite space of, uh, of jnana. Um, so to consider Bhagavan a person is 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 to fail to understand what he actually is. And Bhagavan says it very strongly. They're the uh, chief among the vilest sinners and criminals. So um, it's Bhagavan is really deploring the fact of those who take Guru to be a person. So since Bhagavan is not a person. To, if he, supposing Bhagavan had appointed a successor, that is taking Guru to be a person. But when Bhagavan was about to leave the body, when the devotees were weeping, praying to Bhagavan, oh, Bhagavan, don't leave us. Bhagavan said, "How can I? where can I go? How can I leave you? I am always here. That we can interpret in different ways. Many people interpret it to mean Bhagavan is always present in Ramanashram. That is true. But what is Ramanashram? In one verse in Ramana Sanadu Murai, Murugana says the whole universe is Ramanashram. Because Bhagavan is omnipresent. He's 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 present in that's the meaning of uh, I think that if I'm correct, if I remember correctly, that's the meaning of the Sanskrit word vibhu. 
Vibhu is a term meaning God. Mm. It, God is the omnipresent. So Bhagavan is Vibhu. He is, he is omnipresent. There is not a place where there, he is not. And where is he most clearly and obviously existing and shining? In our own heart as our own being, I am. So he, uh, what Bhagavan talks about, Bhagavan also often used to say, just like he said in that first sentence of the 12th paragraph of Nana, God and Guru are in truth not different. He also often used to say, God, Guru and Atman are one and the same. What he means there by Atman is Atma Swarupa. That is our self as we actually are. So Bhagavan is our very own self. He's not something other than ourself. So um, people, people used to, many people believe a living guru is necessary. So sometimes if people ask Sadhu Om, is a living guru necessary? Sadhu Om said, yes, absolutely. Living guru is absolutely essential. But if what you mean by living guru is a living body, then your living guru will one day become a dead guru. Such a guru is of no use. We need an eternally living guru. The eternally living guru is Bhagavan, because he is eternally shining, living in our heart as our self, as our own real nature, as I am. Thank that you, is why... Any true devotee of Bhagavan, no true devotee of Bhagavan will ever accept the role of guru. There are some uh, who claim to be uh, followers of Bhagavan, but at the same time pose as guru. They are not true followers of Bhagavan. The true uh, followers of Bhagavan, Murugana, Sadhuam, who were perfectly qualified to be guru, would never accept the role of guru because they said, Bhagavan is the guru of all of us. No other guru is necessary. Mm. So anyone who anyone who claims to be a devotee of Bhagavan, yet accepts the role of guru or plays the role of guru or allows others to look upon them as guru, is not a true devotee of Bhagavan, is not a true follower of Bhagavan, has not understood Bhagavan at all. Mm. And likewise, those uh, so called devotees Bhagavan who say living guru is necessary, but you can get but you can gain enlightenment only in the physical presence of guru, again they have not understood Bhagavan at all. What is the physical presence of guru? Guru is not physical. Guru is omnipresent. He's shining he's ever present in our heart. So all Bhagavan's teachings are very, very deep and very subtle. What Bhagavan revealed about the nature of Guru, we have to understand not only from his words, but also from the example he set. He never, he never accepted the role of Guru, but he also never denied the role of Guru. Once uh, Major Chadwick, um, he wanted he wanted Bhagavan to to accept, but he was but he, but Bhagavan was. Chadwick's guru. Um, so he was pe he was pestering Bhagavan. He said, "I then when um, he said he questioned Bhagavan. He, Bhagavan says guru is necessary. Bhagavan said, yes, absolutely, guru is necessary. Um, but Bhagavan doesn't accept the, the the role of guru. Then Bhagavan said, in the view of guru, there are no others. So mm -hmm. how can anyone who thinks I am guru?" They're seeing a difference between themselves and the disciple, but in the view of a real guru, there is no, no such differences do not exist. So the guru is a guru only in the view of a disciple. When Bhagavan was explaining this to Chadwick, Chadwick still wanted Bhagavan to admit that he was guru. And so he was he continued pestering Bhagavan. Bhagavan finally said, um, um, bring the, the ashram seal. From the, 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 the seal that they put on letters when they send letters, bring the ashram seal from the office and put a stamp on him if that will keep satisfy him. <laughs> Bhagavan joked. So Bhagavan, Bhagavan's way of teaching is often very very subtle. We, though Bhagavan never said I am guru, though Bhagavan never accepted the role of guru. Anyone who had any real understanding of Bhagavan 
understood he is guru and also understood why he never said i am guru because if he says i am guru then that means he's not guru because then there's as soon as he accepts that he is guru then he's accepting that he's seeing a difference between himself and others but in his view there is no difference between himself and others he he sees us as himself he loves us as himself so he alone is the real guru the real guru is the one in whose view there is neither guru nor disciple right so many many very subtle and deep truths bhagavan has revealed but these they they're not all oh where is bhagavan said that if someone asks we, we can't we can't pin bhagavan down often but there are many things we have to understand we have to infer from what bhagavan says from how bhagavan lived his life from the example he set we have to infer many things uh. so it is very very clear what bhagavan has revealed about the nature of guru is is far deeper than any former concept that people had of gurus yes in some in um in very certain texts in which is he said um guru is brahma guru is uh, vishnu guru is shiva um all of uh, everything is guru but um to, though it is said like that they still have a guru parampara though they believe the, the guru is uh, is brahma vishnu and shiva they still think a guru parampara is necessary that shows it's not really that truth hasn't really sunk in but bhagavan really emphasized that in his own very subtle way yeah so though bhagavan's teachings are very simple we shouldn't be um we shouldn't be um fooled by the simplicity of bhagavan's teachings yes his teachings are extremely simple but at the same time they're extremely deep and extremely subtle so nobody can say i have understood bhagavan if we or bhagavan's teachings if we there's always more for us to understand as we go deeper and deeper in following the path that he showed us we see deeper and deeper layers of meaning and implication in his teachings before we understand his teachings fully we will be swallowed by him when we are swallowed by him then only when we have lost ourselves completely in him when he alone remains then only can it be said that we truly understood his teachings right because ultimately the the teachings in words are not his real teachings but he gave us teachings in words in order to point us back within but his real teachings are what is ever shiny in our heart as the silence of our own being so silence alone of the re- real teachings of bhagavan that is not to under under underrate the value of his oral teachings his teachings in words um both written word and spoken word we are not underrating that but those those words derive their power from the silence that is the real nature of bhagavan so only when we lose ourselves completely in that silence in the silence of pure being which is bhagavan have we really understood bhagavan right well thank you michael that clarifies in depth um you know our questions it- um it clarifies as far as words can clarify but words of course have their limitation if we want real clarification we have to seek it in our own heart right the clarity but we are all seeking bhagavan says in um um in verse um verse 3 of arunachala navamani malai he uses a beautiful term um uh terol terol means clarity oh. ter terol nadu um uh ulatinil um in in the heart of those who are seeking clarity 
So we come to Bhagavan seeking clarity. That clarity is Bhagavan himself. And that clarity we can find only in our own heart. A certain amount of clarity we can gain from his words. But the real clarity comes from what his words are pointing at, which is back. His words are always pointing us back within to where the real clarity lies. Thank you, Michael. Right. Namor Amanaya. Namor Amanaya.